Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к преддверию нашей надежды. Да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которые очертила десница Твоя, для поклонения святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество, все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег, могущество Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым, позволь нам найти Светлое лицо Твое, я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. Евангелие Матфея, глава 5. The book of Matthew, 5, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. This commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times, and the commandment is addressed by Christ strictly to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God have never had any part to the inheritance that is contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. And as it relates to fulfilling the required commandment to be vigilant over the word of God within our heart, as God is vigilant over his spoken word within the temple of our body, we stop to study the following question, what specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue? that we are collaborating with within our heart. And in part, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant, where we in the death of the Lord Jesus died by the law for the law, so that in the new tablets of the covenant, symbolizing the resurrection of Christ, we can receive justification that we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected, so that in this way we can obtain confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant symbolizing the resurrection of life so that we can provide God with the proper foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the law but by the righteousness of faith similar to how he gave this promise to Abraham <coughs> or to his seed. 
For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. The righteousness of faith is given to us in the resurrection of Christ. Jesus died for our sins and resurrected for our justification. And it's not in the teaching of baptism where that justification is given to us, righteousness is given to us, but in the the resurrection of the dead. Therefore, the covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by his delegated one. Faith of God is information. It's not emotions, but information that comes from the preached word spoken by God's delegated ones. And our faith is obedience to this information, the information of the preached word of God. And so there's God's faith, there's our faith. If a person does not understand that difference, then he will never be able to understand how he with his faith can collaborate with God's faith. Therefore, by what signs do we examine ourselves that the peace of God rules within our heart, which identifies us as the sons of God at and as the most holy. To examine your heart as to whether the peace of God is governing in it is possible by the ability to be a peacemaker. This characterizes us as the sons of God. As it is written, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are those people that perform peace, and to perform peace is possible when you have the state of peace inside of yourself. That is, you have a peaceful relationship with God. When our spirit bears fruits of peace, we are given... an eternal covenant of peace in in the form of a seed as a guarantee. That doesn't mean we possess it. A guarantee doesn't mean that you yet uh, own whatever it is that you have paid or as you pay a down payment, that doesn't mean you yet own this building. But when you pay the entire amount, then it becomes your own. And so when we bear fruit of righteousness, only then do we does it become our own? Do we truly own it? And we can then have this peace, and that is when we can perform peace. Until this time, we can't be peacemakers. Seventh sign by which we need to judge, and we've been studying that we belong to the sons of peace is the ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God. And so this is also given to us in the form of a guarantee, in the form of a seed. God gives, doesn't just give this love. People say, give me love, God give me patience. God doesn't give patience, and God doesn't give love. He pours out his love in the seed of the preached word. And then you take this word and you then uh, allow it to uh, do its work, invest it so that it can grow. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And we uh, put it on by the confessions of our mouth that is concealed in our heart. Uh, the word that is concealed in our heart, the teaching of Christ that is revealed to us 
by the revelations of the Holy Spirit that we have received into our heart as the Lord, this Holy Spirit as the Lord Master of our life. And this is possible and happens when we die for our nation, the house of our Father, and our destructive desires. When we leave spiritual infancy and we become spiritual people. And so, infants are not able to be clothed into God's peace, they're not able to be clothed into God's love, and they're not able to have the uh, peace of God ruling in their heart, uh, which also we are called to in one body and be thankful. And so this is a small... uh, They only select certain people in the church, certain groups, and they only gather with those groups, and nobody else is able to be part of it. This is not brotherly love. This is uh, a counterfeit form of brotherly love. In Scripture, the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or components by the preached word spoken by the apostles and the prophets that in essence are the unchanging virtues of God. We are studying the characteristics of God. We are studying God's heart, the qualities that God's heart has. This is virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Second Peter 1, 2-8 through 8. God speaks His word and has much patience and He waits for His word to be fulfilled in the time He has appointed. The time He appointed is when we are grown into full measure of growth. He waits for this until we can bear fruit. And when we are clothed into this fruit, this is the confessions of our mouth, we then are clothing ourselves into God's character and behave then accordingly as if God was in the flesh on earth and was behaving this way. In a specific format of the seven given given characteristics of virtue that united identified the goodness of God within our heart, we have already studied five characteristics and have been studying the sixth. This is our calling to demonstrate the love of God agape within brotherly love. The presence of this great and noble component in demonstrating our faith moves us from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life. We know, Apostle John writes, we don't feel because faith is not what we feel, faith is what you know. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 3.14.15 Relevant to this, as with the previous components of the virtue of God in His unique to us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in seven components, we came to the necessity to study four classical questions. First, what do the scriptures say about the power of brotherly love, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in the essence of the love of God, which has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit, who is given to us. Second question, what purpose is the power of brotherly love called to fulfill, which is testimony of the fact that the love of God has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit, with, which is given to us. What can, And third, what conditions do we need to fulfill? Uh, in specific format, we've already looked at three of the three of these questions and stopped on question, uh, to study question four. 
the signs by which we can examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith, which is testimony of the fact that the love of God is important into our heart by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Since the first three signs by which we need to judge that we are demonstrating the power of the love of God agape in our faith was already uh, has already been the subject of our study, we have been studying or will be studying number four or sign four. I shall remind us of the first three and we will start to study number four. The first sign by which we can examine ourselves that we are demonstrating God's love, which reveals itself in brotherly love, is our ability to judge the cause of the poor and needy that is founded upon the law of righteousness. The second sign by which we can examine ourselves that we are demonstrating God's love which reveals itself reveals itself in brotherly love is by the absence of the organ of stumbling within our heart. The third sign by which we can examine ourselves that we are demonstrating God's love, which reveals itself in brotherly love, is by the collaboration of our mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind with the wisdom of God. The fourth sign by which we can examine ourselves that we are demonstrating God's love, which reveals itself in brotherly love, is by waiting on the Lord that is our trust on the inheritance of our body. Psalm 37, 8 through 11. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. And so when people fret for righteousness so much that they begin to start doing evil, as Israel, in their zeal for God, began to kill those that were zealous uh, for God. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord. And so they have these motives where they want to cleanse the nation of Israel. You need to sense these things with God's instruments, not your feelings. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. And we know that the earth is our incorrupt body. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Psalm 37, 8-11 considering that those who wait on the Lord as well as those that are meek will inherit the earth that we are studying in the symbol of our incorrupt body we we conclude that people who trust in the Lord the inheriting of their body are meek which indicates the fact that they are led by the Holy Spirit by confessing the faith of their heart to demonstrate trust upon God in your faith it is necessary to thank God as we talk about meekness, uh, this is we restrain our tongue, we discipline our tongue, and the Holy Spirit leads us within the boundaries of the commandments of God. The Holy Spirit will not lead a person out of the boundaries of God's commandments. When the Holy Spirit inspires a person to do something, He will use places of Scripture that are concealed in our heart. If the Holy Spirit just says, as some people say, well, the Holy Spirit said this to me, and I told him, can you back this up with Scripture that the Holy Spirit has said this to you? When the Holy Spirit says something, he always uh, it's always supported by Scripture. Uh, when the Holy Spirit inspires me to, to say something or do, He brings forth places of Scripture, not two or three, but many places of Scripture, and 
they are actually connected one with the other so that we see the I see the entire essence of what is what is being said but you need to have the elementary teaching of Christ within your heart the 12 foundations of the New Jerusalem and you need to penetrate these uh, by the 12 pearly gates to understand this teaching uh, it's possible only in the death of the Lord Jesus the 12 pearly gates is this meek tongue why they became meek because our soul has experienced death because a pearl is the product of a mollusk that has suffered when a foreign particle ends up within it uh, within it it starts to uh, suffer and the suffering produces this nacre that then clothes or coats this foreign particle into uh, and creates a, out of it a pearl and so this foreign particle is our body our mortal body it does not co- uh, cloak uh, the uh, corruption but but the body it is not in accordance to the heavenly body but it clothes it into this heavenly body because clothing happens in the death of the Lord Jesus we die for sin and we suffer because this old man lives inside of us we aren't obeying him but we still suffer because he is there. We suffer from the product of this person that lives in in us, and this is shown that in our weaknesses and illnesses, we be, we age and we die because in our body this old man lives, and the law of God uh, finds this old person, old man in us, and gives him power and he begins to control us with this power but in our new person this law that has revealed this old man when we're grown into full measure of growth in Christ he is stronger he then attacks the strong one uh, this law that he relied upon and trusted upon and destroys it and then the stronghold of life is erected in us and all this is done by faith and not emotion but information we receive this information and according to this information we begin to live, meditate and confess to demonstrate trust upon God in your faith it is necessary to thank God for specific works of God that are done within our body by the abilities of God that are contained in his names and so this prayer is interesting that the, uh, it, as it lists God's works, as a prayer that does not list the works of God that have been done for our trust upon God's promises regarding our body, such a prayer that does not have trust upon God, that does not list His works, it does not have trust upon God. Therefore, prayer that does not have trust upon God is not accepted by God and does not find the favor uh, does not find favor in his sight because it is not in accordance to the demands of, of a prayer of faith. 
as listing the works of God that have been done or accomplished for the trust of man upon God is the thanksgiving of man to which God responds in kind with his own thanksgiving. We list God's works that God has done for us. And what has he done for us? We list who God is for us in Jesus Christ, what he's done for us in Jesus Christ, and who we are to him in Jesus Christ. These are God's works that we are listing who God is, what he's done for us. And we list them and we thank him for this work. We may not feel it in our emotions. We may not see it physically in our body, but we thank God that we have it because we truly do have it. We have it. We have received it into our heart. It is in our heart. And we thank God for that. And then he responds with his own thanksgiving. Apostle John, identifying such a relationship between God and man, formulated it with these words. John 1.16, And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. And in some of the interpretations, uh, Bible translations, uh, it is written as grace upon grace, which was an incorrect and uh, incorrect translations, so it needs to always be understood as grace for grace, that God gives us something for something. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. If we receive his words, then means then this means when we receive his word, he thanks us for receiving his words. As much as we know, one of the meanings of the word grace is thanksgiving, and the original thought contained in this verse is from the demonstration of the fullness of his abilities, all of us have reaped the thanksgiving of God for the sown by us thanksgiving to God. In other words, to reap the thanksgiving of God in the form of his grace, it is necessary to sow or bring forth thanksgiving to God for his specific works that he has done for us when we were still sinners. And so to determine and to expand on the abilities that are related to trust upon God so that we can inherit our incorrupt body, we will turn to another prayer of David where he also confesses his trust upon God and he presents his trust upon God as an argument and as evidence that gives him the right to receive a response to his request and prayer. But my eyes are upon you, O God, the Lord In you I take refuge, do not leave my soul distute. Keep me from the snares they have laid for me and from the traps of the workers of iniquity, Psalm 141, 8-9. First, the meaning of this phrase shows that prayer that does not possess the element of trust upon God can direct the eyes of our heart anywhere else but not upon God. Because as it is, we direct the eyes of our heart upon that reality that we trust. Second, trust upon God gives God a legitimate basis to not leave our soul distute and keep our soul from snares and traps of the lawless that have been placed for us. Often the discipline or the truth that is contained in the virtue of trust is mixed either with faith or with hope, and they are often a are just called as gentleness and humility. We also had people in our uh, service that had later left the church, lived, listened for 20 years, 
and and stated that uh, these all were the same kind of uh, were the same thing or meant the same things. When actually trust is the fruit that grows from the seed of hope, it's the same thing. Gentleness produces humility. Uh, hope produces trust upon God, and so. As we said previously, we can trust only upon what we believe or in what we believe and what we rely upon. Because this means to rely upon something, to lean upon something. You need to be able to lean upon something. When you trust, you lean upon it. You look upon or look at something or upon something. And, or also it means to build upon something. And this something that we need to build our building is a foundation, which is the immovable foundation that is consisted of specific promises of God that identify our hope upon God. Therefore, the phrase to wait on the Lord or to trust upon God is to rely upon the Lord, to lean on the Lord, to thank God, to look upon God, to trust in God and rely upon God, to erect a building upon hope uh, on the Lord, make the Lord of God, make the word of God your support and source of strength, make the word of God your refuge, stronghold and safety. The word hope means waiting with patience or yearning the fulfillment of those promises that God has promised to have grow, uh, to have then grow us. So with these promises, the point of these promises was to grow us into the fullness of measure of growth in Christ. And so when our faith needs to do something from what God has promised, then it will do it from what is being waited for, from the treasury of hope that is in our heart. Hope is the bond of all of God's promises that we have put into our heart. <clears throat> Apostle Paul writes, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, because faith, it, hope it waits for and faith fulfills. And so, when we have a foundation consisted upon hope, upon which we are able to build a temple for the Holy Spirit, this is when we receive the ability then to trust upon the Word of God that is in our heart. And if we don't have it or it is placed there incorrectly, the Word of God, oftentimes people put the perverted word into their heart. A person comes out uh, that has been elected for, that does not know how... uh, to interpret the scriptures and he begins to state things that are untrue or perverted and he states the Holy Spirit revealed it but it's not in scripture and it's not able to be backed up by scripture this is unfortunate for the children of God that listen to these types of preachers and so we need to remind us of specific uh, identifications are trust upon God and the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ because specifically this is the goal that we need to pursue this is our calling our calling to cast off the old man with his deeds to renew our mind by the spirit of our mind 
and to clothe our body into the re uh, redemption of Christ into, and adopt our body. And this needs to happen by, the, by our mouth. And it, these words need to be taken from the treasury of our hope, the faith that's in our heart. What do the scriptures say regarding the root from which we are called to grow the fruit of our trust upon God and upon His Word when it comes to our imperishable inheritance by which we need to judge ourselves that we have brotherly love? Second, what role and what purpose do the scriptures give the Word of God regarding our body by the signs of which we are called to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of God in brotherly love? Third, what conditions do we need to fulfill? And so if you don't have trust upon God, you will not be able to have a, a legitimate relationship with one another either. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can grow trust upon God and His Word in the good soil of our heart regarding the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ so that we can demonstrate power in our faith by the, sound of, by the sign of which we are called to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating God's love and brotherly love. And fourth, by what results can we examine ourselves as to whether we trust upon God's word when it comes to our body by the signs of which we are called to examine ourselves and if we are demonstrating God's love in our in brotherly love therefore first question what do the scriptures say regarding the root from which we are called to grow the fruit of our trust upon God and upon his word when it comes to our inher imperishable inheritance by which we need to judge ourselves that we have brotherly love because brotherly love uh, passes us from death to life and so to examine whether we have it we need to have trust upon God to examine if we have it, this brotherly love first the root of trust upon God and his word grows from the entrails of God himself therefore comes from God himself in God is my salvation and my glory the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God Psalm 62 7 <clears throat> if you pay attention here to trust upon God <clears throat> your trust needs to be in God that it come from God if we are not in Jesus Christ where God would be able to be our salvation our glory our strength the strength and our hope we will not have any ability then to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith. It turns out that all of this is possible when we are in Jesus Christ. And I shall remind us that to be in Jesus Christ means to enter through the narrow gate. The narrow gate in Scripture is the virtuous wife. If we find this virtuous wife, this narrow gate, we find God's grace. This uh, virtuous wife, this good wife, she, why? Because her character is as God's. She's as God. She is as God is. And there are not many of these kinds of churches. They are surrounded or by many other uh, synagogues of Satan, and they state they are God's churches. And they have very, very rich titles. Uh, and they can include hope, faith, and love, and uh, morning star, and whatever, whatever uh, names they may give themselves. It's one thing when they just say the First Baptist Church, and so then another congregation comes and says we want our, to register ourselves uh, as first. 
you can't because there's already a first. You can only uh, call yourself a second Baptist uh, church. And so these are the kinds of things that are happening now. For a church to register herself, she needs to give herself a name. It's as a child, you have to give it a name. Uh, And so if this name already exists, they won't register a church with the same name. You have to... And so I didn't know that we needed to register ourselves with a name. And so when I went to register our church, when it was formed, I came to them and they said, what is the name of your church? And I said, what do you mean? And they explained this and this, this is how we... And inside of me I said, Lord, what name do I give this child that you bore? And as God has bore this, upon an immovable foundation, the elementary teaching of Christ, I said, the church, uh, the immovable foundation church. There was a group of people that understood uh, Russian and English, and they began to translate, and they translated immovable foundation church. And in this way, this church was uh, named this way, and so every time we already, already renew the patent, and so no one else is able to then register themselves under the same name because it's only the only church that, that has this name. And so this is for the world. Uh, but for us, there's no need to have a name for our church. We had to give ourselves a name. But the thing is, we are God's children. We are followers of Christ, and we don't need to be giving us ourselves titles. So if we are not in Christ in such a church, because to be in in Christ is to be in his body, Christ is the head of his body, you need to be in his church. Not all churches are the narrow gate, because it's difficult to find a church like that. It's not noticed. They always uh, search uh, for a church where there's less uh, restrictions, maybe they mock us saying they allow uh, everything but we only allow what is holy and upright and what is not holy and not upright is not allowed just about Christ they said about Christ that he was a heretic they say the same thing about us and so you ask why, why do you not attend the church one brother told me directly, I like the church, but when I I come and I go to church, I go home, and then I can't. I have to have a couple of uh, glasses of wine, and I don't see anything uh, wrong. I don't I don't have any desire for, for other women. I have a wife already, and I said, it's not important if you have a wife. Uh, drunkards do not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Drunkards will leave us, either will repent, and will say, I will no longer drink, or they will leave the church. Today, there's not such a church where people would uh, not that would consider uh, al- drinking alcohol as a sin. And so, if you drink alcohol sooner or later, you will. You are. Uh, you, you will be drunk on some level. 
and but it doesn't say in scripture that you uh, are st- drunk a uh, stupor drunk but uh, priests who served in the temple were not allowed to drink any alcohol those who would serve in the temple they could not drink any alcoholic beverages and so that's don't be satisfied by it don't drink it and so when it says do not drink do not be satisfied by alcohol don't touch it and don't drink a lot also and so people only take one of those things saying see it doesn't it says not to drink a lot uh, but there are others it says do not drink uh, alcoholic beverage because they, from it comes dissipation and so if you drink little bit that means you will have little dissipation and so if you drink much you'll have a lot of dissipation and so this is perversion in all areas that's what dissipation is and so when you look according to scripture and you see many places of scripture it's not just Old or New Testament priests had no right to drink alcohol the Nazarites of God absolutely could not have any part or contact to to alcohol or even grapes um, but today there's uh, no service uh, that con- uh, you will you find uh, that considers it a sin this has become a normalcy to drink I knew people that were afraid to drink that were that feared God that were afraid to drink but now they celebrate they they put bottles of wine on their table and they and they drink and they're not afraid um, and I'm surprised I knew these people they were not like this before why and and the reason they they began doing this is because they ended up in a church uh, that does not preach that it's a sin and so you have two options then to either drink alcohol and leave the church or don't uh, don't drink it and repent and remain and so it's not possible to be in Christ and also drink and so the sign of demonstrating in your faith brotherly love is to be examined by the church you're in and how much it corresponds to the good wife that is that narrow gate he who finds a find a finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord Proverbs 18:22 second the root of trust upon God and his word comes and is founded upon the resurrection of Christ and upon his glory that God gave him because the word that God has given to him is the word of God who through him believe in God through Jesus believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. First Peter Peter uh, 1.21 God gave his son he resurrected him from the dead and gave him glory so that we may have faith and hope upon God. Faith and hope upon God and upon his word consists of in the resurrection of Christ within our heart and that means we died in the death of the Lord Jesus if you have not died in the death of the Lord Jesus for the uh, for your nation the house of your father and your destructive desires you cannot have in your heart uh, if you haven't died for these three you cannot have God's uh, life in yourself 
And so in the death, when you're submerged into his death, you will not have the desire to live. You'll have apathy. You'll have an unusual... Uh, uh, you'll feel incredibly uh, isolated in some way and con constrained. Uh, and so this happens usually in the death and this is normal sense, uh, things to feel and and people call me and say I don't ha want to do anything anymore but this is because you're in death you won't receive the ability to live the life of God until you are until you experience the death process uh, and this being in his death and so faith and hope upon God and upon his word can consisting in the resurrection of Christ in our heart uh, is in spiritual uh, thinking, which is a seal of God upon our forehead and members us to the category of the bride of the Lamb. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded is when we resurrect with Christ, but until this time we'll have carnal mind. And to destroy this carnal mind and to pass it into the spiritual mind, it is necessary to be submerged in with baptism into the death of the Lord Jesus and be there until the time that God finds need to bring us out of there. We ourselves will not bring ourselves out of it. Only God will bring us out of it. But we, with our mouth, need to confess the faith of our heart that we already have the spiritual mind. What we don't yet have, maybe physically, we need to state count ourselves dead to sin, living for God, and proclaim that non-existent stronghold of life, resurrection of, of life in our body as existent. That's why uh, we start the service by saying, may the resurrection of Christ uh, be in our bodies and clothe our bodies. This truth needs to be real within our heart so that we begin to rejoice by it, live by it, meditate about it, and uh, speak about it. This is a spiritual mind. This is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God nor indeed can be. As one pastor told me, well, Brother Akadi, while I have no money in my pocket, I can't say that I do have it and that I can uh, plan for something. But God revealed to me to proclaim that not existent as existent of course, not what I want, but what God will want and, and reveal. There's a difference. We can proclaim the not existent as existent, only that, uh, that what God wants and what God reveals. <clears throat> this is talking about the adoption of our body, but this also applies to anything else that God desires for you. Just as it was in the time when we needed to buy a, a house of prayer and we had no money, we had just come here, <clears throat> we had no money in the bank, but we needed to buy a church because we didn't fit where we were. And I said to the pastor of that church where we were gathering, listen, look for a, a bigger church. And he said, where's the money? And I told him, Faith has money, and and he said, "Really?" And and he understood what I said, and and he did find a church, and he brought me there, and we looked at it, and I said, "Let's uh, talk to the pastor that we want to come and 
gather and have a service here because we want to buy it. And they said, yes, of course. And the next church service, we we had given the address. And it's interesting that a part of the people weren't at that certain church uh, service where the address was given and they and they came, those that weren't uh, weren't uh, in the church at the, that day came, came on that next Sunday to the same place where we were gathering when everybody was supposed to gather in the new place and no one was here. And so they became afraid and thought maybe a rapture occurred. And so at that time I was preaching uh, where we have nothing but possess all things. Uh, and so when we, I was preaching about that place, I heard a quiet voice inside, a very clear, very clear voice. This is very rare, but when this happens, I know clearly that this is the Lord. And he said, right now, proclaim that this house of prayer as your own house of prayer. And I said, brothers and sisters, right now, because of the revelation of the Holy Spirit, I proclaim this house of prayer, our house of prayer, and continued to preach. And when I finished the sermon, this pastor said to me, I thought you were a wise person. How could you say this? We have no money, but faith has it. And he told me, you know, while I have no noise in my pocket, and so he told me, uh, when you purchase it, I will believe you. And nine months later, we purchased this house of prayer as owners. Not one of those people who questioned all of these things have repented even till this day. And the reason is because faith is when you proclaim the not existent as existent, but only that not existent that God has given. We can't state our desires oh I want this and I proclaim it some people began to I want to marry this sister or I want this is mine or I want this job or this this car or this this uh, I want to be paid this wage if God says this is your wife then it will be your wife for example God said ahead of time will who my wife would be in my spirit and when I offered uh, to her, she, she did not deny me. But when you say that the Lord has revealed this to you and she is denying you, then the Lord did not give you that. This is an exception to the rule. Of course, the Lord doesn't often reveal. A person himself will find uh, or herself will find uh, the person they are to marry. And so, spiritual in mind is when we proclaim the non-existent as existent, that what God has said. And what God has said is that He's intending on adopting our body, and that in Jesus Christ, He's already done this. And that in Jesus Christ, he all, we have already died for the old person to live for the new person and be clothed into the new person. And so, when you do this, you this means that you have brotherly love. And so if the resurrection of Christ, which is a spiritual mind, is not the state of our heart, if it is not a state of our heart, then we will not have any ability to demonstrate in our faith brotherly love. 
Third, the root of trust upon God and His Word grows from the collection of the given to us promises contained in hope upon God. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, Jeremiah 17, 7. Further, it says that he will be as a tree planted by waters and whose tree will not wither or his leaves will not wither and whatever he do, he will prosper in. And so, a person can be blessed from the Lord when his trust is upon God and upon his word and it's based upon his hope upon God that is contained in his heart, which is the elementary teaching of Christ, his hope. That is the bond of all of God's promises, including the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. If our heart is not a garden where the oath promises of God are grown from the seed of justification into the fruits of righteousness by the means of which the grace of God uh, takes the throne in our heart, then we will not have any ability to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith. Fourth, the root of trust upon God and His Word reveals itself in judgments of God which are called to clean us from all, from all sin and protect us from the enemy. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, and not from someone, but from my mouth, for I have hoped in your ordinances, Psalm 119.43. Ordinances, judgments of God, commandments of God, God's word is God's judgments, God's ordinances. And so according to this place of scripture, it's not the only one, the ability to cleanse ourselves from all sin and the ability to protect ourselves from all enemies is contained in our gentle mouth, our meek mouth, in the uh, truth of the blood of the cross of Christ. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 31, 32. and so truth truth is a state and when it is given to us in the form of a seed truth produces fruits of righteousness not possessing within our heart the fullness of truth that is contained in the blood of the cross of Christ we will not have any ability to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith Fifth, the root of trust upon God and His Word comes from information that is contained in the laws, prophets, and psalms. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His Word I do hope, Psalm 135. According to this place of Scripture, we uh, we can see here that what we trust upon or what we hope upon in this case is our is what what we hope upon is our is what we trust upon not having hope upon god in his oath promises that are uh, that are found also in the patience of christ that is able to wait for the time that god has appointed in the sixth the root of trust upon god and his word happens when we look to the lord with the eyes of faith of the faith of our heart. But my eyes are upon you, O God the Lord, in you I take refuge, do not leave my soul destute, Psalm 141, 8. What we look upon, what we focus our eyes upon is our trust. The devil knew this principle and that's why he prompted our foremother to 
to look at the fruit of the tree. It looked pleasant and it was desirable and it gave knowledge. And he knew that and he he inspired her to look at that uh, fruit. You will be as gods, he told her. You are not yet like God, he said, but you will be as God is. Because when God created Adam, he didn't create him immediately in his likeness. He put into him the seed of his likeness. And he needed to uh, develop it just as we do to uh, invest it and become spiritually and so he a, he was still a man of flesh. He did not have the ability to be uh, righteous yet. And so to possess the right to eat of every tree in the garden, he needed to honor God and acknowledge his authority and demonstrate his love to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was in this garden. And so they didn't live in the Garden of Eden. They just came there to seek God. God put them there. But all the earth was created for man, and man, with the speed of thought, was able to move to any part of the earth. He did not need, uh, need means of, of transportation. They, they were able to uh, move from one area to another uh, at the speed of thought. He knew everything that's in its earth. He knew the power of every plant, uh, every animal, every beast. He had wisdom and power that is able to destroy any animal and any animal that saw a person <clears throat> feared them and 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 obeyed them. And so the devil succeeded, and, and she looked at the fruit, and so she told Adam, and Adam also looked and also ate of it. And, of course, as a result, we see what happened with them, and the result we find in our old person. This is that result, is our old person. And so it is important what we look at, uh, the, uh, the eyes of our heart, what are the eyes of the heart? This is your image thinking. Not closing your eyes, you can think about something different or closing your eyes. Why do we close our eyes when we pray? So we begin to imagine ourselves there where God is. When we hear the word of God, we close our eyes and we imagine ourselves meeting with the Lord, uh, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, David, Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and all of the other righteous people upon the clouds because they already have resurrected. All of these prophets, they already resurrected with Christ. They received their new bodies and have been taken to heaven and they are with Christ in the new body. This is the first sheaf <clears throat> with him, with Christ. <clears throat> when many resurrected and appeared to many <clears throat> And so this is the church of saints that is written in heaven. And, and so it's with them that we will meet. And I always 
I have image thinking and I'm always interested and I always close my eyes or no, not close my eyes and I think about this, how I will meet with them. We will meet with some of our relatives also, those that died in the faith not having received what was promised. Not all, but some. So not having an open eye that is able to look at God's oath promises, we will not ha- be able to dem- we will not be able to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith. The power of brotherly love passing us from death to life, it depends on what we trust in and what we that is what we look at what we look at where what we look upon sometimes a person is in church and his image thinking is somewhere on vacation or at work or at home or somewhere else but not in where he's supposed to be sometimes even during church take their phones and send messages uh, to each other and they're not even existing within the church even though they're here Seventh, the root of trust upon God and His Word grows from the fear of the Lord that abides within our heart in the form of wisdom that comes from above. Whenever I am afraid, David says, I will trust in you. Psalm 56, 3. When can we trust in the Lord? When we are in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is the revelation of God that comes from God and specifically this fear bears trust upon God specifically such fear bears uh, trust upon God and at the same time trusting upon your abilities so trusting upon God and trusting in your abilities at the same time is not possible, for I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me. Psalm 44, 6. Not possessing within yourself the fear of the Lord, which reveals itself in our heart in the wisdom of God in the form of the Urim and Thummim, we will not have any ability to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith. Second question, what role and what purpose do the scriptures give the word of God regarding our body by the signs of which we are called to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of God in brotherly love. First purpose of trust upon God and His Word is called to give man the power to the right to call God His God. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. Psalm 31, 14. If you don't trust upon God, but you say you are my God, these are idle words for which you will inherit eternal uh, hell. You don't have the right to call God your God if you don't have trust in God. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. Psalm 31, 14. Not having the right to call God your God, we will not have the right then to demonstrate in our faith brotherly love. Many people don't have trust upon God because trust upon God happens from hope. Hope comes from them receiving the teaching, the elementary teachings, the wall of the, of the 12 foundations of the wall, and that is able to be accessed by the pearly gates uh, and the tree of life also that bears fruit 12 times a year. And all of this is focused upon our, our mouth, a meek tongue or gentle mouth, <clears throat> 
is the tree of life. God uh, disciplines himself in the temple of our body with his word, and he's vigilant over this word that it be fulfilled, that we have put into our heart. He only erects it in the temple, and there he is uh, vigilant over all his uh, his words. And this is upon the condition that we together with him have uh, magnified his word above all his names, his word, and that it be fulfilled in the time God has appointed, and we with perseverance wait for the adoption of our body. Second purpose of trust upon God and his word is called to give us the right to the power to draw near to God so that we can declare all of his works. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all of his works. Psalm 73, 28. Who can draw near to God as one who trusts upon God? For it says, but it is good for me to draw near to God. Why? I've put my trust in the Lord. And why? So that I may declare all his works. What works? Who God is for me? What God has done for me? And who I am to God? And when I know all of this and I do all of this, then by my mouth, the Holy Spirit takes these words and clothes us into this fruit. And so according to these words, it is true that only the one that trusts upon God is able to draw near to God so that he can uh, declare his works. If a person says uh, he prays for hours, if you pray even 24 hours a day, if you don't have the elementary teachings of Christ, the 12 foundations, the teaching about the baptism, the laying on of the hands, uh, the resurrection, uh, the eternal judgment, if you don't have those things and you don't understand what these pearly gates are, where your body is when you confess <clears throat> the word of God and you don't understand that the tree of life is your tongue, then you don't have true trust in God and you don't have hope upon God. You pray as one that is Hagar in the wilderness, but not as a king, priest, and prophet. You're not praying in the virtue of a king, priest, and prophet, and you're not governing over your body. You're not able to command your body, your emotions. You're not able to present your members of your body as tools of righteousness. You say this, but you don't do anything for this to happen. You cast God's words behind you. And so to have the right to these things, you need to trust upon God, which will give you the ability to draw near to God and to declare his works. Count yourself dead to sin, living for God, and proclaim the not-existent stronghold of immortality in your body as existent. This is God's works. Not having the right to proclaim the works of God, to declare the works of God, we will not have the right to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith. And we will only then demonstrate, as I said, to the two, three, four people that are pleasant to us and with whom we have something uh, mutual. Third purpose of trust upon God and His Word is called to give us a guarantee that God will hear us when we pray. Psalm 38, 15, For in you, O Lord, I hope 
you will hear, O Lord my God. He is confident God will hear him. Why? Because he has hope upon him and his word. And so he doesn't need to shout and scream and pray and pray and pray. He can just say it once and he knows God will hear it. One time he, he can state it and say, Lord, have mercy upon me in this or in this. And you don't need to demand and demand to God again and again, as if God doesn't know. He, God wants you to tell him, but tell him these things with trust. <clears throat> uh, when we ask what is according to his will, then we receive. We need to present evidence that we are warriors in prayer and that our prayer has the legitimate status, that we have the legitimate words of prayer and that we pursue God's goal, God's will in these in these prayers. Knowing that God hears us. And so trusting upon God and His Word reveals itself in boldness that is necessary as for us as warriors in prayer so that we can perform our intercession regarding uh, the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ without having trust upon God and His Word, which reveals itself in boldness. This is power to enter into God's presence by the means of the blood and by the means of the broken body. These two are brought in to the holy place. Not having this boldness, we will not have the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith. <clears throat> now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. 1 John 5:14-15. Fourth purpose of trust upon God and His Word is called to produce joy and a shout for joy to God, as well as provide God with proper grounds to defend those who trust Him. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy. <clears throat> If you don't have trust upon God, then you will not have this uh, joy uh, in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you, Psalm 511. This joy does not depend on time and it will be eternal. It says you will defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. And so if a person does not have trust, he does not have love for God. He can't boast about the Lord. He can't rejoice in God. And God does, has no then foundation to defend him. According to this place, we see that God is a defender of those who trust in him. And that specific trust uh, brings forth this joy that will make us upright before God when we meet with Christ. If a person is not able to boast about God uh, during all or any losses or gains, he will not have any power to demonstrate brotherly love in his faith. Fifth purpose of trust upon God and his word is called to serve as honor to God, providing him with proper grounds to protect us from his all-consuming fire. 
God has uh, his wrath burns for the old man and his deeds and for God not to destroy us in his anger if we have trust upon God then this trust will protect us from his all-consuming fire kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little blessed are those who put their trust in him Psalm 2.12 Blessed are those who put their trust in Him. Those who do not have this trust in Him, He will pour out His wrath upon them. If a person trusts in God, then this is honoring God. And so according to to these prophetic words, we see that an absence of trust upon God is an absence of honoring God. And from this we conclude that those saints who refuse to honor God with their tithes and their offerings are vessels of wrath, because it is not possible to honor God without honoring God with your tithes and offerings. If you trust, then you will have confirmation of that. You will honor God with your tithes. This, In this way you confirm that you are His holy part. You are His most holy part. <clears throat> At the same time, the saints who honor God with tithes and offerings are vessels of blessing. If we refuse to honor God with our tithes and our offerings, then this means that we refuse to trust upon God and upon His Word. And in this way, we lose all opportunities to demonstrate in our faith brotherly love that would pass us from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life. Sixth, the purpose of trust upon God and His Word is called to free us from the fear, free us from fear, our own fear, as well as of all flesh. In God, I will praise His Word In God I have put my trust, I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Psalm 56, 4. He will not fear because he has put his trust in God. In God I have put my trust. He can trust in God when he praises his word. In God I will praise his word, it says. In God I have put my trust. In the Church of Christ, in God can you praise his word. In Christ, can you trust upon God? In the body of Christ, can you trust upon God? According to the red words, we conclude that a person that trusts upon God is not afraid of the flesh or anything that comes from the flesh, as by the means of his trust upon God, he places himself into the entrails of God where he magnifies God's words. A person that is independent of his flesh or independence of a controlling spirit of another flesh loses all ability to demonstrate in his faith the power of brotherly love that would pass him from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life. Not just a controlling uh, person, but also the one being controlled does not have trust. If your husband even says, leave, or the wife says, leave, I don't want to live with you anymore, because the husband or the wife, no, uh, because the, the person refuses to be controlled, sometimes this happens. The wife can live with you while she controls you, or a husband can only live with you while he controls you. How do you pass into the new uh, state? 
Only you yourself can stop controlling your partner or the one or anyone else. Begin to control yourself because uh, one who controls another, that means he doesn't control himself. And how can he demonstrate brotherly love in his faith if in his relationship with everyone else he is controlling uh, them? Seventh purpose of trust upon God and His Word is called to serve as an absolute independence from the fear of all men. In God I have put my trust, I will not be afraid what can man do to me. Psalm 56.11 One who trusts upon God does not fear man, because fear before men is testimony of your absence of trust upon God. We trust upon someone or some something or someone that we are afraid of, that we boast about, and also before whom we walk, or more accurately, from the uh, opinion and evaluation of one other. 1 Corinthians 4.3, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. 1 Corinthians 4.3, he did not care about the opinion of others or his own. He based everything from, uh, on, on God. You judge, Lord, how I am. He did not evaluate himself you don't need to evaluate yourself you need to allow God to evaluate you to judge you I did what I did according to your word now bless your servant as Elijah had said a person who is within the dependence of the opinions of his surroundings does not trust upon God but the opinion of his surroundings which then deprives him of all ability to demonstrate the power of brotherly love that would pass him from the state of eternal death into eternal life <clears throat> and the final purpose of trust upon God and his word is called to open the potential of God and faithfulness of God oh how great is your goodness promises which you have laid up for those who fear you which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men Psalm 31:19. God's promises are given to those people who keep in themselves God's promises and fear God if he fears God he has trust upon God if he does not have fear then he does not have trust <clears throat> if in our heart God's promises exist that pursue the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ, then this means that we are able to demonstrate in our faith the power of brotherly love. Amen. Let us bend our heads or our knees and pray. May the Lord bless us. I invite all those who desire to resist uh, worldly fear, especially after this word, maybe someone <clears throat> realized they don't have trust in God. If you received the word that you heard today, this is trust upon God. You just need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I hate sin. Separate yourself. You need to ask God to separate you from the sin because you yourself can't. You need to be obedient to God's faith. Count yourself dead to sin, living for God, 
and continue to proclaim the stronghold of incorruption in your body as existent. Let us bend our knees and pray. Amen. I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that the Lord is faithful to his word you have received the word of God into your heart it is your trust and your faith close your eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to God this is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt pray together with me Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you upon the grounds of your words. I love you. And although I am bound with these chains of sin, I open up my heart so that you may see the pain and wounds that are inflicted by sin that I hate. May the chains of sin be destroyed in my body and may I be freed from my flesh from the desires of these lusts and passions that live within my body may within my body your resurrection be enthroned and I accept your words your life your resurrection in my body and right now before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim and confess that according to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the may, may ancient mountains and everlasting hills, the blessings be upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. And again, I will repeat the word that we hear. If you receive it, then you receive trust. That's why, that means you have it, you just need to, you need to develop it. It's never in one state. The kingdom of heaven is called to continually expand in us. 
the scriptures say, uh, expand and stretch out your branches because the increase of the kingdom of heaven, there's no boundary to that upon the throne of David, the one who is beloved by God, and we are beloved by God, and uh, me together with you, and the throne that is of the ivory, elephant ivory that we have in our body so that the Holy Spirit would be able to lead us. You have all that in yourself. This treasury is in you. You need, you need to not be silent. You need to meditate about this uh, and have this image thinking also. These are spiritual. This is a spiritual mind. Meditate about the spiritual things, but the worldly things, God will take care of that, that you have what you need to be clothed into, to eat, where you can live. Let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. <laughs> 